Our scripture reading before the sermon comes from the book of Ezekiel. If you're using your Old Testament book song like Mr. Jordan suggested, that's in the Old Testament, in the second half, and it comes, it's the first book right after Lamentations. (laughs) So Ezekiel chapter 1, verse 1. In the thirtieth year, in the fourth month, on the fifth day of the month, as I was among the exiles by the Kabar Canal, the heavens were opened, and I saw visions of God. My daughter Abby is fascinated with the book of Ezekiel. Several months ago, she asked me the question, why doesn't anybody ever preach sermons from Ezekiel? And I promised her that before she goes away to college this fall, that I would preach a series of sermons on the book of Ezekiel. And so tonight's the beginning of that. This series is actually going to take uh, a little bit of time because of some other things that are planned on Sunday nights coming up. But by April, you will have heard three lessons on Sunday nights over the book of Ezekiel. We're going to talk about Ezekiel chapter one tonight. So open your Bible there if you would. Then the next lesson will be Ezekiel chapters eight through 10, when God departs from the temple. And then Ezekiel 37, the valley of the dry bones. Tonight, Ezekiel's vision of God. This is one of the most remarkable visions in the entire Bible. And yet, it's such a mystery to so many people. If you watch shows like Ancient Aliens on television, this chapter gets brought up frequently as evidence that Ezekiel must have been seeing aliens, flying saucers. In Ezekiel 1, 16 and 17, it says that he saw a wheel and another wheel in the middle of the wheel. And people say, aha, he was seeing ancient aliens in his day. That is not what Ezekiel was seeing, as we'll discover tonight. But this passage is famous for its strangeness in some ways, but it is an awesome vision of God. If you're looking at Ezekiel chapter one, verse one that Brett just read for us, again, look at what it says. I was among the exiles by the Kibar Canal and and the uh, heavens were opened and I saw visions of God. What's Ezekiel seeing in Ezekiel one, verses one through 28? He's seeing a grand, a majestic, and a frightful, in this case, vision of God. A little background, Ezekiel lived about 600 years before Christ in a time when his nation, the nation of Judah, was being dismantled piece by piece. Ezekiel had already been captured and taken to Babylon, a foreign land. There were some people that were left behind in Jerusalem. And the people left behind in Jerusalem became kind of smug in their attitudes because the temple in Jerusalem was still there and they thought the temple was where God dwelt with them. And so they would say things like this. Well, the bad apples, the wicked people were taken away to Babylon, but we're the good apples and God loves us and he cares for us. And so as Ezekiel begins this vision in Ezekiel chapter one, God is saying to people, Be careful where you place your confidence. Be careful that you don't just presume that you know who I am or where I am. And that's the meaning and the significance of this vision. 
What we're going to do this evening with our study is break this vision into three parts, and then the fourth point of our lesson is to bring an application to all of our lives. After all, all of God's Word is profitable for us. All of it has meaning for us. What in the world could a vision given to people 600 years before Christ have to do with you in 2024? And that'll be the fourth part of our lesson this evening. With all that in in mind, let's turn our attention to Ezekiel chapter 1. I'm going to talk my way through the chapter. First of all, let's notice the background. In Ezekiel Ezekiel chapter 1 verse 4, Ezekiel says, As I looked, behold, a stormy wind came out of the north and a great cloud with brightness around it and fire flashing forth continually. And in the midst of the fire, as it were, gleaming metal. As you think about the background for this vision in verse 4, notice in the first place this is intended to be a fearful vision. There is lightning, there is fire, there is a great cloud coming out of the north, a stormy wind. This is not a vision of comfort and peace that God is bringing to, to Ezekiel and to Ezekiel's people. It's a vision of warning. Sometimes God, when he comes to us, brings peace and comfort as Jesus walking on the water. Behold, it is I. Do not be afraid. Be of good cheer. But sometimes when God comes, it's a threatening, a warning type of approach. And that's what this is. Notice as well that this vision, the background, it's also symbolic. The scripture says in verse 4 that Ezekiel's looking to the north. That is traditionally the direction where the enemies of Jerusalem would approach from. You read that in passages like Jeremiah chapter 1 verses 14 and 15. If people were coming to conquer Jerusalem, if they were coming to attack the city, they would come from the north. That was the easiest, the most logical way to approach that city. And so, when you read this vision in Ezekiel chapter 1 verse 4, the background, the setting of it is enough to tell us already, this is foreboding. This is a warning type of vision for the people of God that are reading this and hearing about this. In the 1930s, the Dust Bowl in the Panhandle of Texas, and I know we're concerned about the fires that we hear about in that part of the world now, today. The Dust Bowl was a time when there were great massive clouds of dust. They called them dusters, a thousand feet high, sometimes 200 miles wide. And people, when they saw dusters coming off in the distance, they knew after the first one or two of them, they knew to run for cover because you did not want to be trapped outdoors when a duster, a dust storm came in. People write about and said that they blotted out the sun when they, when they experienced these massive dust storms. That's the same kind of thing that Ezekiel's seeing, except he's seeing a storm that is a fiery cloud coming very quickly toward the city of Jerusalem. That's the background of the vision. Secondly, this evening, as you study this passage, notice the living creatures. A great deal of attention in this chapter is given to these four, they're called living creatures. They are the cherubim. Cherubim are angelic creatures. How do you know they're cherubim, God, uh, John? Because in Ezekiel 1, it never calls them that. It tells you in Ezekiel chapter 10, verse 15, he recalls this vision in Ezekiel 10, verse 15, and he says, these creatures are the cherubim. And we're going to read a little bit about these cherubim, but I'm going to make some observations about what they're like. As a matter of fact, there are five characteristics that I'd, I'd like for you to remember about the cherubim based on what's being said here. Beginning in verse 5, 
From the midst of this cloud that Ezekiel sees came the likeness of four living creatures. Before I go any further, you see that word likeness? That word is found 10 times in this chapter. 10 times. Ezekiel is saying, this is what it looked like. I can't describe it perfectly, but this is what they looked like. So they are the likeness of four living creatures. And this was their appearance. You see that word? Appearance is found 14 times in this chapter. So as Ezekiel's describing what he sees, he's saying, this is what it's like. This is what it appears to be. But Ezekiel's just telling you what he sees. And so these four living creatures, this is their appearance. Verse 5, they have a human likeness. But each had four faces, verse 6, and each of them had four wings. Their legs were straight, their soles of their feet were like the sole of a calf's foot, and they sparkled like burnished bronze. Under their wings on the four sides they had human hands, and the four had faces and their wings thus. The thing I want you to remember about the cherubim from this section is that the cherubim are intelligent beings. They are intelligent They have four faces, they have four wings, and yet you see face of a man, face of a lion, face of an ox, face of an eagle, as we're going to see in just a moment, there is an intelligence here. They are angelic beings being described. Secondly, look at verse nine. They are cooperative beings. They are intelligent, they are cooperative. Look at verse nine. Their wings touched one another. Each one of them went straight forward without turning as they went. Heaven cooperates. When Jesus taught us to pray in Matthew chapter 6, he said, pray like this. Father, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Did you know that the angelic beings in heaven, they cooperate together? You know why they cooperate together? Because they are listening continually to the voice of the Almighty. And brothers and sisters and friends, if we would have more cooperation and unity today, what's needed is for all of us to listen very carefully to the voice of the Almighty. The cherubim do that. Their wings touch one another and they are working in unison, in harmony, in cooperation with one another. Look at verse 12. I'm going to skip some of the passages, some of the verses in this passage for time's sake. In verse 12, it says, they each went straight forward. Wherever the spirit would go, they went without turning as they went. They are, number three, deliberate. They are intelligent. They are cooperative. They are deliberate. You see this phrase, without turning as they went, in verse 9. You see it again here in verse 12. You see it again down in verse 17. The cherubim that are traveling, wherever they go, they go straight. This is the time of year when the wasps start to come out. Have you ever watched a wasp? They don't travel in straight lines. Wasps just kind of hover around and they bump into all kinds of things. And that's not what these cherubim are like. These cherubim are like a charging, angry elephant. They know their goal. They know their objective because they're listening to the voice of the one who commands them. And wherever they travel, they go without turning as they travel. Incidentally, this is kind of mind-blowing. We're talking about the mobility of the cherubim. They have four faces And they don't have to turn in a different direction. If I'm driving my car and I want to go west, but I'm going north right now, I'm going to have to turn and I'm going to have to make sure the entire car turns. The cherubim don't have to do that. They can go this way. They can go this way. They can go straight straight forward because their face is always pointing in whatever direction they want to go. That's the point of the vision. 
And so they are intelligent, they're cooperative, they're deliberate in the way that they travel. Look at verse 13 of the passage. As for the likeness of the living creatures, their appearance was like burning coals of fire, like the appearance of torches moving to and fro among the living creatures. And the fire was bright, and out of the fire went forth lightning. They are holy. These living creatures are holy. The idea of coals, burning coals, calls to mind the imagery of the altar where sacrifices for sin were made. The cherubim, whenever you see them in the Bible, are always singing and talking and warning about the holiness of God. God is separate from sin. He is pure. He is righteous. And that's what these creatures are displaying. They're holy. Look at verse 14. The living creatures darted to and fro like the appearance of a flash of lightning. They are swift. They are swift. They're fast. How do the cherubim move? They don't move like molasses. They don't move slowly. They are swift like the flash of lightning. Wherever they need to go, wherever the Almighty commands them to be, they can be there in an instant. And so five characteristics of the cherubim, intelligence, cooperation, a deliberate action, holiness, and swiftness, speed. And so Ezekiel describes these living creatures and then he turns his attention before we leave this point to the wheels that these creatures are associated with. Beginning in verse 15 and going through verse 21, Ezekiel now describes some wheels. I wanna show you a picture that I think kind of sort of represents what Ezekiel is seeing. I'm gonna talk about this picture in just a moment a little bit more. But when Ezekiel starts talking about the wheels that are next to these creatures, what he's seeing are wheels that look something like that what you can see on the screen there. And I'm gonna talk about these wheels in a little bit of detail. It says in verse 15, as I looked at the living creatures, I saw a wheel on the earth beside the living creatures, one for each of the four of them. Verse 16, as for the appearance of the wheels and their construction, their appearance was like the gleaming of beryl. And the four had the same likeness, their appearance and construction being as it were, a wheel within a wheel. And when they went, verse 17, they went in any of their four directions without turning as they went. Again, this is the section where people think that Ezekiel's talking about flying saucers and aliens. That's not what Ezekiel's talking about. This defies the laws of physics. But you see, visions are not necessarily all that concerned about upholding the laws of physics. What's being said here is these wheels are wheels within a wheels. They are perpendicular to one another. And the reason why they're that way, as you're marking in your notes, they are all-terrain wheels and they are all-direction wheels. These are wheels that can go up, down, left, right. They can go wherever the cherubim desire that they go and wherever the voice that reigns from the throne commands that they go. That's the point of the wheels. The wheels can go wherever they need to, north, south, east, or west. They're all terrain and all direction. Secondly, about the wheels, look at verse 18. They are all seeing. It says in verse 18, their rims were tall and awesome, and the rims of all four were full of eyes all around. When you see visions like this in Scripture and you see something being full of eyes, all that means is that they're knowledgeable, they see, they're not, um, they're not blind to what's happening around them. 
And so these wheels can see everything and the living creatures can see what they need to see. And then verses 19 through 21, third fact about the wheels, they are controlled by the living creatures, verses 19 through 21. When the living creatures command, the wheels go. And when the living creatures are still, the wheels are still. And so these wheels that Ezekiel sees are under the control of these living creatures, these cherubim that are holy and that cooperate and that are concerned about doing God's will swiftly. And so all of this in this vision, you say, boy, this is strange stuff. Yes, it is. And yet this is Ezekiel's vision of God. Ezekiel 1 verse 1. All of this is meant to communicate one thing to us. God can go wherever this throne, wherever these living creatures, they can take him wherever he needs to go. In 1971, a movie was made, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. And the, the main character of that movie, Charlie Bucket, he wins the grand prize at the end of the movie and he gets to go with Willy Wonka and they get into this machine called the Wonkavator. And Willy Wonka says about the Wonkavator, he says, you know, ordinary elevators, they can go up and down. But the Wonkavator, it can go sideways and upways and downways and slantways and aroundways, any other way that you can decide, any other way that you can imagine. All you got to do is press any button and zing, you're off. This vision is of a chariot that is carrying the Almighty, and it can go, this chariot, any direction that God needs it to. Third, tonight. Look at verses 22 through 28. As you look at this vision, there is an expanse. Some of your translations might have in verse 22 a firmament. You see that? An expanse. And the expanse is made of crystal. It shines like awe-inspiring crystal, verse 22 tells us. And it is spread out above the heads of these living creatures. And what Ezekiel does in verses 23 and 24 he tells you what's happening below the expanse. You can kind of see this. I know it's kind of dim on our screen, but what's happening below the expanse, he talks about that in verses 23 and 24. And then in verses 25 through 28, he talks about what's happening above the expanse. So let's look at what's happening below. Verse 23, Ezekiel says, it is loud. When these cherubim, when these living creatures, when they flap their wings, it is amazingly loud. It says in verse 23, under the expanse, their wings were stretched out straight one toward another. Each creature had two wings covering its body. And when they went, I heard the sound of their wings, verse 24, like the sound of many waters, like the sound of the almighty, a sound of tumult, like the sound of an army. And when they stood still, they let down their wings. So when these living creatures rise up and when they travel, it is amazingly loud. When I go to the beach and I hear the, the roar of the waves or when I go to a waterfall, I always remember that the Bible in many places, when it's trying to tell you how loud something can be, it almost always uses this expression. It's like many waters, like Niagara Falls, like a mighty waterfall. It's loud. And that's what Ezekiel says these cherubim sound like when they flap their wings. Now look at what happens above the expanse. And this is, out of all of this vision, this is my very favorite part because this talks about God. I want you to notice 
four things that are happening above the expanse, beginning in verse 25. Number one, there is a voice above the expanse. It says in verse 25, there came a voice from above the expanse over their heads. When they stood still, they let down their wings. The cherubim, the living creatures, work in harmony. They work in unison. They work as a symphony of activity because they are all tuned to the voice. You know, fire is generally uncontrolled. If you see a cloud of fire moving towards you, you think something exploded and something is just an uncontrolled fire, but not this fire, not these creatures. Everything moves in harmony because everything in this vision is listening to that voice. Secondly, what's happening above the firmament, above the expanse? Look at verse 26. There is a throne. So there's a voice and there's a throne. Verse 26. Above the expanse over their heads, there was the likeness of a throne, an appearance like sapphire. It's beautiful, this throne. And who sits on the throne in the Bible? I mean, think about it. Old Testament, New Testament, who sits on the throne? God is seated on the throne. And so third, not only is there a throne, but third, there is a figure on the throne. And here Ezekiel again, back in the 10 commandments, God said, you shall not make any graven image of me. Don't try to draw me, don't try to paint me, don't try to make any statue of me. I don't want you to try to represent me because you can't do it. And yet sometimes in his grace and mercy, God condescends to people to show us a little bit of his glory. And so all Ezekiel can do is he looks at this figure. I'd like to know more about the figure. What did you see, Ezekiel? But all he can do is say this. Look at the end of verse 26. He says, seated above the likeness of the throne was a likeness with a human appearance. And he describes this likeness with a human appearance. He's describing a divine being. He's describing God. He describes him from the waist up and then he describes him from the waist down. Look at this in verse 27. Upward from what had the appearance of his waist. Well, was it really his waist, Ezekiel? It was the appearance of it. I saw as it were gleaming metal, like the appearance of fire enclosed all around. And downward from what had the appearance of his waist, I saw as it were the appearance of fire and there was brightness around him. And so there is this figure who is seated on the throne, the sovereign God, almighty God. And his voice is the voice that controls these living creatures and these wheels and take him where he needs to go. And then fourth, look at verse 28. Like the appearance of the bow that is in the cloud on the day of rain, so was the appearance of the brightness all around. I love that. There is a rainbow. This vision of a cloud coming towards Jerusalem, foreboding, warning, threatening, the being who sits upon the throne and rides upon the cherubim is a being who is clothed in a rainbow. Rainbows do not belong to the LGBTQ crowd. Rainbows belong to God. He is the one who made rainbows. And the rainbow has a significance with God. It is a significance of past judgment. He flooded the world in the days of Noah. It is also significant because it is a promise that God will be faithful and he will not destroy the world again with water. It's a promise of grace and mercy for people. 
And so the vision concludes here in verse 28 of God with the brightness of a rainbow. And then look at the latter part of verse 28. Ezekiel summarizes all that he's seen. And he says, such was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. And when I saw it, I fell on my face. And I heard the voice of one speaking. And in chapters two and three, God and Ezekiel are gonna have a conversation. And God's gonna tell Ezekiel to do do some very difficult things, to preach to people that won't listen to him. And they'll reject his message. And I want you to keep preaching, Ezekiel. You ever wonder what we're gonna do when we see God face to face? Sometimes we talk about when we all get to heaven and seeing the redeemed of all the ages and seeing the people that we love and that we've known over the years and that we've lost and that we miss. And I suspect there will be an opportunity to do all of that. But when I read the Bible, I find that people who see God, they fall on their faces. And I suspect that's going to be our first response when we see our Lord, to fall on our faces as well. What's the application of all this? What are we to take and learn and do and know from this passage? One thing, we must beware, brethren, of the sin of presumption. The sin of presumption, the sin of presumption goes like this. I know where God is. I don't need to read the Bible. I just know. You hear it in statements like these. I think people can find God in any world religion. They all have something to say about how we can find God. Or whoever names the name of Jesus Christ belongs to him and God is there. Or what really matters is not so much the doctrine that we believe, but the sincerity that we have. Those are very, very presumptuous statements because we're not listening to the voice of God. Jesus warned us in Matthew 7, 21 through 23, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Jesus said in another place in Matthew 15, verse 13, every plant that my Father has not planted will be rooted up. And the sin of presumption is a sin that says, as long as we're sincere, as long as we believe good things about God, as long as we're trying to connect with him, then he's gonna be with us. In the days of the Civil War, a Northern abolitionist spoke to Abraham Lincoln and said, Mr. Lincoln, I am confident that the North will win a great victory because God is surely with us in our cause. And Abraham Lincoln, without blinking, responded, Whether God is on our side or not, I do not know. My great concern is to decide and determine whether I and this nation are on God's side. That's the right attitude. And that's what Ezekiel would have us to know. God is not 
just because you have a temple in Jerusalem, God is not necessarily pleased with what's happening and God is not necessarily with you. That's what this vision does for the Israelites. As we close this evening, we ought to be more like the cherubim, don't you think? We ought to listen to God's voice. And we ought to eagerly go when God says go. And we ought to, listen to me, we ought to wait when God says wait. Did you notice in that vision how the cherubim, they're not always traveling. Sometimes they let down their wings and sometimes they let down this chariot and it stands still. And there are some times in our lives when we need to listen to God's voice and we just need to stand still. Listen to what scripture tells you. There are times when we need to cooperate together because we're listening to God's voice. We need to reflect more than anything the holiness of God. A righteous God, a holy God, a majestic God. We need to reflect his holiness. Be holy for I am holy, says the Lord. 1 Peter 1, 15 and 16. Ezekiel's vision of God. It's amazing. It's puzzling in some ways. And yet it has a great deal to teach us. Maybe you're here tonight, you've not come to Jesus and you've not put on Christ in the gospel through baptism. If we can help you to do that tonight, we'd love the opportunity. There's no greater time, there's no greater occasion than right now and right here to put on your Lord in baptism. Or maybe you need to respond and you'd like to ask for prayers. If we can help you in any way, won't you come all together we stand and while we sing.